Being a have-your-back-to-the-wall individual is opening your life to be shaped by events which can cause you to take dramatic actions. I'll get back to that later. Now getting to those big stacks at the table. It was Yukon Jack or whatever that guy's name was. I think he went on to be famous actually as I later would stumble across his name when poker was hitting the free streaming sites after the bubble in the late 2000s. We were three-handed and I was in early position. Being over my head at this table. I was too timid and was checking myself into the hand. The flop came, AKJ, and I checked to the bet. Then a raise. I called. And by the turn, I was all in with my set of J's, thinking apparently not enough, but feeling the impending doom. Yukon Jack would later flip over pocket kings. The other player had AK. He would take down over $3,000 in the pot. That was my plan B, I thought at the time, playing poker. The problem with poker is you need money to make money. And you can't be emotionally tied to that money. That was my problem. I didn't realize at the time. I didn't have the money to play poker. And the money I had, I was emotionally tied to. Facing that realization that plan B wasn't going to manifest, I drove home feeling empty, like I burned a hole through my life. The gambler's rock bottom is like a rock sitting in your stomach that feels like acid on your soul. With plan B gone, I went to my daytime job the next day and quit. I still had what I would consider my ace up my sleeve. The defeated gambler with his last ace would leave it all and move to Taiwan. The mediocrity of living without a career one can be passionate about due to the lack of opportunities upon entering the workforce with a social sciences degree, there was a total sense of hopelessness. I had to escape and find a way. With time running out for me, I put my 91 Honda Accord up for sale. My father had bought for me upon returning from University of Victoria. From the sale of the car, I would have enough for a one-year return ticket. Unknowingly, I wouldn't use the return portion. Moving to another country should be a big thing, right? So how is this my ace up my sleeve? Well, I had taken a double credit Mandarin course at university during my undergraduate studies. One of the real-life skills I had picked up while at university and had always felt I wanted to go back to live in Asia as an adult. You see, I lived in Asia when I was a kid. I had lived in three countries, one of them being China. I picked up some Chinese during the time. I was touring around 
the Temple of Heaven, inside the Forbidden City, a year before Tiananmen Square Massacre went down. At the time, the only sign of Western commerce was a lone KFC in Beijing. I was so proud of this experience, but it's not something that other people know about you or think about you and how it affects you because it's not normal. And most kids have no friggin' clue what kinds of experiences you went through at such a young age while they were just living their ordinary lives. My parents took me to a department store to buy some books. I used to read the Monkey King series. I had the first edition in English. The series was about 40 books. I managed to collect a lot of them. They were so interesting to read. It was the story of Sun Wukong, a monkey born out of a rock. He was different from the other monkeys. He wanted to go beyond the forest of the monkeys. He would go on a quest of immortality, upsetting the heavens while he was at it. They had to find a way to contain this mere mortal. Monkey would learn to recite a lot of spells along the way. He had an infinitely long or small gold-banded cudgel that he would tuck behind his ear. Monkey could pull a bunch of hairs from his head and turn them into an army of clones of himself and send them into battle. He would sit on a cloud watching his troops easily defeat any demon's armies. Finally, the gods, including the Jade Emperor, would sanction a mission for Monkey. He would be under the pilgrimage of the Tang Priest. The Tang Priest, riding a unique white horse, was off to the west to fetch Buddhist scriptures from India. Monkey was asked or tasked to protect the priest. He needed a greater purpose. It was the only way to contain this small wild beast. He had somehow smashed up heaven. Monkey was accompanied by two other monsters that had been subdued. It was the journey to the west. So it's like this part of you that nobody knows anything about and how you relate to the world. Unfortunately, I never got to read the final book in the series. Seeing how other people live when you are a child makes you see that there are many standards of living throughout the world. I don't think it made me realize at the time how privileged I was, but in retrospect, I'm ever so grateful that I had those precious experiences at an early age. So going back to Asia, I guess, was just a natural thing to do. It was the mid-2000s and China was rising. I had strategically set my studies of economics, politics, and Asian studies, along with this course in Mandarin, taught by a Taiwanese teacher, to align with the times. When I initially 
enrolled at the University of Victoria, I was registered for computer science. My classes first year were mostly programming, calculus, discrete mathematics, economics. It was a heavy course load for a first year student. I didn't know. I was never a serious student. I cruised through high school. It was boring, simply put. Nothing academic really sparked my interest. I was really into computer games on top of basketball. I was into playing massive multiplayer online role-playing games or MMORPGs. First-person shooters, strategy games. My father encouraged me to take computer science. As an engineer, the hard sciences were the only way. My parents had a Commodore 64 in the 80s. They even brought it to Beijing with them. Commodore 64 was pretty dope. You could take cartridges that would plug into the back of the keyboard. And it also had separate disk drive that took five and a quarter real floppy disks. It had its own branded monitor that took regular RCA inputs, which later doubled as a TV for me in high school. Bluemax, a World War I biplane shooter game, a total classic, was one of my favorites. The C64 had some sick games. It didn't get much credit in the history books, if you ask me. Not too many people know about it. Atari and Mac emerged out of that space. I got addicted to playing Ultima online in high school. It was bad. I would stay up half the night in my parents' office with the lights off, holding my breath as the modem logged into our dial-up ISP. Ding, ding, ganache, bing. Exhaling. I was about to battle in cyberspace as Zoop, the emissary of hope. Ultima Online, or UO, was the pinnacle of a series of computer games entitled Ultima that involved dragons, knights, paladins, sorcerers, and demonic forces in an RPG format. I had encountered the earlier releases, but had not been interested. UO was a different beast. It was the first massive multiplayer online role-playing game in the world. Thousands of players could play in a multi-location world of UO. It was a highly successful subscription model where you would play on their servers. Etan, from the grade below me in high school, also played it. Both of us played Magic the Gathering a collectible card game. Etan used to hang out a lot in the comic book shop playing the game. I had a family friend, Slim Jim, I usually played Magic the Gathering with. My parents, however, did not allow me to hang out at the comic book store. my father was worried about pedophiles hanging out there. The game itself was ingeniously designed, full of depth. In Magic, 
there are five colors, each representing the elements. Each color has its own strength. As you draw mana from the resources to cast spells and creatures battling to reduce your opponent's life to zero. A game full of strategy combined with an economic value based on the strength and rarity of each card. Each player uses a 60 card deck comprised of as many colors as each player desires. MTG was a huge storyline and evolved immensely and still has a lively following today. Hitan and I would trade cards, the norm for magic players. Hitan was a shrewd trader. I traded away several dual lands, an uncommon that was very desirable and went on to have great value for a Jizam Dijin that didn't nearly stack up in equal value. The dual lands were sources of two kinds of complementary mana, a huge component of play. Itan had thrown a bunch of crappy kickers that were confusing to stack up. It wasn't a fair trade at all. I felt tricked after the trade. Itan had smooth-talked me and pressured me into the trade, I felt. He used language to reassure me the trade was fair. I felt like I had been manipulated. The Dijin would hit you for one damage every turn. It was a terrible card. On the picture of the Jizam Dijin is an image of a devil beast picking up between his index finger and thumb a little Aladdin. Itan had mana drained me. It was in real life Itan had cast a demonic spell on me. It would take years to break. After the trade, Itan walked around me with an arrogance to himself towards me. He was proud over his manipulation of me. I could still take it to him on the court. He would always foul me. He would slap my hands when I dribbled. Itan would have a good late growth spurt and get taller than me. He was uncoordinated as fuck. Regardless, I met up with him occasionally to battle in UO. You could teleport to places, fight against monsters with other real players or against them, which would affect your karma and cause you to become a good or bad player. You could store money and items in a bank vault. You could purchase a vast array of items that had multiple uses. There were hundreds of skills you could improve through doing micro activities such as mining, hunting, foraging, etc. You could even buy property from small one-room houses to massive castles. The concept behind UO is no different from the multiverse today except as opposed to it being VR or AR. It was from a third-person godlike mode. My character was a ranger mage with swordsmanship for close combat. With archery, you didn't have to get up close to fight. It was highly powerful for a time until they fucked around with the algorithm. Mages could cast spells on monsters, other players, or themselves. 
it was the most powerful skill. UO had so many layers to it. My secondary character was a thief. Super fun to play. Thieves had invisibility or cloaking. You could hide in caves while others kill dragons, then steal the loot. Or pickpocket unsuspecting dragon slayers. They had some insane monsters in that game. Different cave systems contained different difficulties of monsters. Going into some caves, you would get an adrenaline rush. No joke. The player versus player aspect and the guild component meant that you had groups of players that would hunt others. Guild wars emerged. Teleporting to a location was risky. You could beam right into a battle. You had to mark your ruins carefully if you had that skill. Your title and guild would be displayed above your character as well as your notoriety for other players to see. If you had bad notoriety, you would be red. If you had done something bad recently, you would go gray if you were good or blue. There was a way to be a good thief if you stole from those with bad notoriety. You couldn't commit crimes in the city or the city guards would kill you, saying you broke the law if you got caught. UO even saw an out-of-game market develop. People were selling gold or property on the internet for decent cash. UO took over my life for a while. It was the godfather to all MMORPGs, in my opinion. It would be a long time till I found another game that would consume my life so much. I would doze off in early morning classes. Meeting strangers with an alter identity to go on quests, battling through time zones for a greater cause. It felt like you had a higher calling than the other kids at school. I couldn't imagine what kind of impact it had on my grades. Nevertheless, I made it to Uvic. I would be playing some computer games in the dorms with various guys on the floor. It was the first time everyone had wicked T3 internet speeds and the ability to game in real life with guys down the hall from you. <laughs>